welcome to the Pink Granite Podcast. At Pink Granite, we tell the stories of strong women working in Texas politics and policy. If you're ready to forge your own career under the big pink dome, this is the podcast for you. Pink Granite is generously sponsored by Davis Kaufman, PLLC, Denise Rose, Lumen, The Mach 1 Group, McGuire Woods Consulting, Public Blueprint, Venture Alliance Group, and Amy Whitehead. Welcome everybody to this latest episode of the Pink Granite podcast. This is Amy Whitehead, the founder of Pink Granite, and I am very excited to introduce Anna Muskie Goldwyn to everyone. Anna is a screenwriter and also the co-founder of Political Playlist, which is um, a really cool resource for discovering information about um, young congressional members and what issues are important to them. And, um, you know, it's nonpartisan and it's just a really great way to get in easily in your inbox, accessible information about your congressional representatives. And we just thought that from the pink granite perspective, you know, this is something we don't often get into of being able to really decipher the issues and especially not on the national level. So we just thought this would be a great opportunity to host a little bit of a different kind of episode where we're sharing resources that are out in the world for everyone to take advantage of. And hopefully, um, you know, everyone will, will get a chance to check it out. So, um, Anna, thank you so much for being here and taking the time we found each other on Instagram. And so I, I totally cold called you as everyone does these days, right? We just make friends on Instagram. I know we're just, we're shameless that way. And so I'm just like, Hey, this is really cool. I signed up for it. I got my newsletter, um, earlier, I think today or yesterday. And, um, it's just great because I love scrolling through. I, I don't get to pay as much attention to national politics as um, I would like. And I, I focus primarily on state in my job. And so it's just a really um, easy, accessible way to, to hit the high points with people that are, you know, a lot like me in my, you know, age and, and, and demographics. And so I will let you um, just kind of give us a, give us an explanation since it's your baby, you know, all about what political playlist is and and kind of how, how you guys started it. Yeah. My dogs and political playlists. Those are my, my only babies. Yes. (laughs) Um, um, yeah, no. So we, you know, we've actually been working on the project for quite some time, a couple of years, but we officially launched it in November of 2020. Um, right. Actually right before the president presidential election. And what Political Playlist is, is in a big overview, we're really trying to find new ways to connect people with the political system. I think that we're living in a world where people are paying attention to politics more than they ever have, but also feel pretty much more disconnected from politics than they ever had, have ever have. And what we want to do is create access points for people to say, hey, you know, you don't have to feel this so disenfranchised. Like you had just said, the information we're putting out there is digestible, it's concise, it does just hit, hit those sort of top level points. And that's really our goal. And the primary way that we do that right now is by highlighting these young members of Congress. And why the reason that we decided to focus on young people is that, you know, I'm 31, I'm a millennial, so is my co-founder and then our um, third partner as well. And we actually met 
um, a young woman who was a congresswoman and she got voted out, but her name was Abby Finkenauer. She was from Iowa. She served for one term, elected in 2008, 2018, sorry. And what we realized when I met her, I was like, wow, this person is like me. <laughs> um, she was my age and you know, I'd been involved in and cared about politics for quite some time, but I, it was in that moment that I really felt like I could see myself in a politician. I think that oftentimes we envision politicians as sort of existing on some other level of reality or some other kind of level of intellect and, and the, and it's just not true. They are like us. And I think, especially for young people, um, we wanted to give people a way to say, Hey, you can find ways to identify with people at the very highest level of government. And by doing that, you might suddenly start to realize how important it is what they're doing. Um, and then, you know, ultimately our goal is to get people engaged. And the very gist of it is to get young people to vote. Because as I'm sure you know, and many of your listeners know, um, voter turnout amongst young Americans is still um, pretty dismal considering the numbers that we have, millennials and Gen Z, millennials in itself, but now with Gen Z growing and growing is by far the largest voting block in the country. And if only half of those people are voting in a good year, then a lot of people are missing out on the opportunity to use their voice. So that's our goal. Um, but yeah, the process we go through is really just about providing education, providing information in a way that feels modern and new and unique um, and and concise and something that shouldn't be overwhelming. And I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed by politics right now. So that's what we're trying to address. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Just demystifying the process in general is something that I think is so important because like you said, um, I think I wrote down another level of intellect because that yeah. is, you know, it's something that you think of, you, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to make those comparisons. And then you realize someone's your age and it's like, oh, wait, wait, this, or this person's younger than me, which is kind of, oh yeah, it has been lately. <laughs> I'm an elder millennial. So yes. <laughs> like, oh, that person's actually younger than me. So surely I, you know, could understand this too. But um, yeah, I think that's really great. What, um, so what has the response been so far? I mean, you launched it earlier this year, so it's still, it's still really new, but kind of how are you guys getting the word out and, and, and how's it going? Yeah, I mean, we've been really pleased. I think that like a lot of things in the media space, um, a slow and steady growth is kind of what you want to aim for. Yeah. Um, and we've definitely been uh, marching to the beat of that drum. You know, we launched in, November, with that said, like, you know, we wanted to sort of make sure we had a month to just figure everything out and make sure everything was functioning properly. Um, because one of the big things that we felt was we wanted the experience to be customized. And we thought that that was something that really wasn't out there. People get a lot of newsletters, they consume a lot of things, but none of it is really, really tailored towards the user. And so one of the big things that we invested in from the beginning was creating this website that after you take this quick survey, you get your playlist of five young politicians and that playlist is unique to you. And it's unique to the interests that you have and that you care and the issues that you care about. And so, you know, when we first launched, we were like, okay, we gotta make sure that this is all working <laughs> properly. Um, like any sort of tech situation, we did some troubleshooting, but then 
starting this year in January, we were very much off to the races. Um, and we've been really pleased so far. I mean, on multiple different levels, you know, we've had some really interesting press. We've been written up in Politico. We, you know, have started to go on podcasts like yours. Um, but honestly, on the more sort of human level, we've really been inspired by the response that we've gotten. We've had, a, you're not the only one reaching out to us on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had a lot of people reach out, you know, many of them just saying like, this is what I've been looking for. This is sort of the tool that I want. Like we had this one great conversation with this woman on DMs where she was telling us how, you know, her daughter was a political science student and she was so happy to find this because she felt like she and her daughter could like talk about something together. Um, but then what's been really even more amazing is, you know, we're a very small team. There's really three of us that, that work on this right now, but we've started to build it just with people volunteering to help because they believe in what we're doing. And that help has obviously been instrumental from like a logistics standpoint, but I think even more um, from like a mission standpoint, realizing that there are young people out there. I mean, a handful of the people that, that, that uh, work with us are in high school. And oh, wow. I think that we tend to think in this like partisan world that, you know, Gen Z is sort of so far one way or the other. And even if they might have beliefs that sway in one direction or the other, I think there is really a thirst for conversation, um, even amongst 16, 17 year olds. And that's been the coolest thing is to start to see the response, not just from like press and media and being able to really amplify our message in a larger scale, which, you know, we're continuing to do. But I think also knowing that there's a lot of like peer to peer discussion about political playlist has been very heartening for us. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, just sharing information is so important. And I think that you guys, you know, you are doing it in, in a very, what appears to me to be a very balanced way. And it's not a lot of fluff and it's not a lot of opinion, which I think is very rare these days. It's so hard to know kind of what the biases are behind the things that you're reading about, um, especially congressional level issues. And so, you know, I just, I think that, that, that has been, you know, a breath of fresh air in my inbox when I see it, I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty balanced and this is facts. And it's just, I mean, it's a beautiful website too. When I look at it, I'm just like, this is so nice. How did they do this? And it's just easy well, that, and it flows along. <laughs> yeah, that was like, it's so it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, I think that one sort of challenge that we really felt like we were going to face in being nonpartisan, and I'm sure you've experienced this in the work that you do is like, right now we're living in this world where the loudest voices seem to be winning out. And, you know, I think that, that we wanted to figure out how can we make this nonpartisan objective approach be something that's like chic, be something that feels modern. And that really started with making something that looked really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and so we worked really hard on the design of everything because whether we know it or not, we've all, you know, our taste level has increased for what we'll tolerate in terms of design from a website or from a social media platform. And we wanted to play into that enhanced taste level of not just young people, but all people. And I think that, you know, when you take the three minute survey, we have like all these custom graphics that go through it and, and we wanted it to feel like this smooth, interesting sort of artistic experience 
that you know is also about politics yeah um but it's really marrying kind of like the design and culture of our lives with the more political part of our lives which oftentimes can seem kind of dry and boring so we're trying to kind of lift lift the curtain on the dry and boring part and make it a little bit more fun yeah i think that's great it doesn't look like you know a red white and blue Totally. CNN yeah. Website or was, Politico website or something that was like a that, huge you know? Thing. I mean, like if someone goes to our Instagram or go to our website, like we were like, we're not doing red, white, and blue. We had so many back and forths about, okay, what are the variations we're going to do? And we kind of ended up with this like dark mint green and dark orange and, and it's really worked. Um, and it's our play on, on the red, white, and blue. So yeah. we're proud of that. Yeah, no, it, it is beautiful. Um, so let's flip a little bit from, and we'll kind of get back at the end and tell everybody where to find it and all of those things, but just from, from your background, because this is a lot of what we focus on with Pink Granite is telling the stories of women who are doing this work. How did you become interested because you're, you're a screenwriter and, and also taking on this, you know, political project, like when did this happen? How did you, you know, jump into the idea of making something, um, political and, and kind of when you decided to get, get started on this? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say like, I'm so impressed with young people, especially high school people, right. High school age people right now, because when I was in high school, I was certainly not very politically aware. Um, and, just in terms of politics, I started to become a little bit more interested in college, but again, like not super active, you know, I was really excited to vote, yeah. <laughs> um, but I wasn't out there doing much else. And then it was after college when, you know, this was probably, this was in 2012, um, 2000, 2012 to 2014, I started my screenwriting career. And what I realized in beginning to write and beginning a career in creative writing was that I really cared about writing about things that, that I thought mattered. And to me that meant, okay, is there an issue that's really important to me? Is there a kind of person that I think needs to be like, you know, dove into a little bit deeper. Um, And, and so it was this kind of strange journey for me where I started writing and, you know, when you have meetings as a writer, a producer and executive will always ask you like, oh, what kind of stuff do you write? (laughs) Which is just like (laughs) the most general question. And so I had to really start thinking about what kind of stuff do I write? And the kind of stuff that I write is talking about an issue, but in a way that doesn't make people feel like they're being sort of beat over the head with information. Cause you know, you don't want to watch a television show or a movie and be like, oh, that was just like a lesson as opposed to, oh, that was really entertaining. And maybe I also learned something that's more my goal. So, so in that process, I began to just pinpoint the things that mattered to me. Um, and a big part of it was writing about women and was writing about the experiences that I'd had in my life that I had never really unpacked or understood, but started to realize as an adult were sort of very common amongst women my age. Um, and a lot of learned things that I wasn't aware of that, you know, I think in, in 2012, 2015, even like before all the Me Too stuff, I Mm-hmm. I was beginning to kind of be like, oh, this is maybe not how it should have been for me in my life. And, and so that experience made me more political just because I, my parents were very political. They were very engaged. Um, but, but so it was always in my life, but it was in that, those years that I really started to connect like 
oh, so storytelling and writing in this like creative fictional way is also addressing these more like real life kind of important things that are being addressed in the political world. And so that was really when I started to be like, oh, now, now I'm actually interested in politics because while I have what I do as a screenwriter, um, there's also this other world that's addressing it in a much more specific um, legislative way. And, and so that, so starting to dive into that, that was actually like how I became friends with Anthony, my co-founder. We like met super randomly and started talking about this kind of stuff. And he grew up in a very political family. And it was just these, it's just these conversations where you start to meet other people who care about the same things that you do. Um, and so we met and then about a less than a year actually after we met, we just came up with this idea where we were like, you know, we're the people in our friend groups where everyone would be like, who should I vote for? Or, you know, what issue should I care about? Or what's on the ballot? And we would both say like, okay, well, it's great for our friends. We can tell them, but how cool would it be if we could like send them like a list, you know, if we could send a playlist of, of yeah. people or issues to like a lot more people. And that was really how the name was born. And then we kind of got the ball rolling from there. So for me, politics and storytelling are not mutually exclusive. Um, and I think that the most successful politicians right now are the best storytellers. Um, and I think that actually young politicians, um, not across the board, but sort of in general, just from the work that we do, I think that young politicians and young people have a very unique storytelling ability. And I think that the, the good storytellers, especially of our generation, um, they're the ones that, that make the most effective politicians, or at least the politicians that are able to garner a lot of attention, which you know is arguably just as, if not more important right now. So, so that's kind of my journey. And I'm very pleased to sort of have this like split life that weirdly has become one in the same in some ways. So yeah. life, life always plays out in very strange ways. <laughs> It does. It does. Um, and yeah, that is, I mean, I think you're right on with the storytelling piece, even for those who are in politics that are outside of, um, you know, that, that aren't members or legislators. I think even, you know, if you're lobbying or if you are um, campaigning in some way, you know, being able to tell that story and connect to the voter or, um, you know, the legislator or the staff member or whatever, it's, it is so important. And I, I agree. I think that um, everyone that I have encountered in, in maybe this, this younger generation, um, even younger than myself, Yes. I mean, I think that they're so in tune to that and they can break things down into, you know, this is how this, this is, this is a person this affects and this is, this is why this matters. And so, yeah, I think that's just such a cool correlation because, you know, I, I definitely, you know, encounter a lot of folks in politics that don't have, you know, people like, oh, I'm a lawyer or poli sci background or this or that. And I think that some of the, um, and I am, I say this as a poli sci major, but people, some of the most effective folks, you know, they were, they, they have been storytellers or they have been teachers or they have been, you know, in totally different walks of life and then somehow found them what their way into a political role, either as an elected official, of course, or, um, or as working, you know, working just around, you know, capitals, either U.S. or state level. And so, yeah, I think that that 
those unique backgrounds are, you know, just such a great addition to, <laughs> they're a necessary yeah. addition to the political space. You don't yeah, want a I bunch mean, of- I would, I would bring up, I would bring up two things actually in, in conjunction with that. One of which is that we had a, a conversation with a woman named Erin Velarde who runs an organization called Vote Run Lead. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with I've it. I've heard of that, yeah. yeah. And so they- they're a national organization that trains women to run for office for the first time. And she had this like amazing thing she was talking about where she said that we take the skills you have in whatever world you come from or whatever job you have or career, and we turn those into political skills. Um, and, and in conjunction with that, there's this, a book out there called Represent that was written yes. by a woman who um, runs Emily's List and, and an actor named June Diane Raphael, and similarly a guide to women running for office. And they talk about the same thing of, you know, you come as who you are, and then those things make you the politician that you are. And if you're not a poli-sci major, but you're a hairdresser, well, you spend your whole day talking to, hair, to people doing their hair. And that's arguably more yes. important when you're campaigning to run for politics. So, so I think that just that idea of like making people understand that talking about where you come from and who you are is ultimately across the board. That's I, I, and I think that I just see that in young people now running for office where it's like, there is more vulnerability. There is kind of a greater sense of, I can be honest about who I am and I can be honest about where I come from. And by the way, if I'm not a lawyer or a poli-sci major or a previous, you know, on in con- the congressional level, at least, like if I haven't held state office before or something, I'm still allowed to be here and there's still validity to, to my campaign. So, so I think that that all is just important for people, both in politics, but honestly, like in life. Yeah. Across the board, feeling yeah. like you, <laughs> you are, you are entitled to be yeah. here and you're needed here beyond just being, you know, allowed in the room. It's like, you are necessary yeah. to this room and this conversation. So have you gotten any feedback from any of these young, uh, members of Congress that you all feature? Have you heard from any of them? Yeah, <laughs> so we've actually interviewed, we've interviewed a handful of them and we're lining up more interviews with them, um, you know, because it is important to us. Like we're obviously aggregating a bunch of information about them and reading a lot about them, but, you know, straight from the horse's mouth is always better. Um, yeah. And, you know, just at least in terms of being like, who really is this person? Like, how do they talk? How do, what are their mannerisms? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, it's important to understand them on a human level before you understand them on like a legislative level, which is often how the news will cover them because that's what they sure. have access to. Um, yeah, so we've talked to a couple of Democrats, a couple of Republicans, and I think that across the board, the response really has just been that, you know, many of these people are not making headlines every day. You know, there's a couple like you have AOC or Dan Crenshaw from Texas, you know, mm-hmm. like there are some people who, have figured out the media game and have blown it out of the park. But for the most part, there are 75 members of Congress under the age of 45, which is only 14%. Um, And those 75 people, most of them you've never heard of. Um, Most of them are not heads of committees. They're heads of subcommittees. Mm -hmm. So when you hear about stuff passing through committee, they're not going to be the ones on the news talking about it. Um, And and so I think that for, for them, when we talk to them, it's very much an opportunity to be like, who is this person 
on, you know, just that like human face-to-face level, we're not drilling them on policy. We're not trying to like catch them in some sort of a lie. We just want to know who they are. And then you as a listener, a viewer, user, then you can decide for yourself, like, oh, okay, I'm not that into that person. Or interestingly, mm-hmm. I may be into that person when I thought I wasn't going to be, which is also a, an experience we want to um, elicit in people and get people outside their echo chamber a little bit. But, but yeah, I think that, you know, speaking to the young politicians, it's just become very clear that a lot of them are on a real mission. You know, like anyone, when you start out a career at a high level, you you have to be so motivated and so driven and know that for a lot of them, like they're going to be vulnerable in these seats for a long time because we're in this kind of like shakeup of a world where even if it's a safe red or a safe blue seat, you're seeing challenges all over the place mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. So I think just having like their feet to the fire a little bit, you do get this really interesting like intensity from them. Um, and I think that their, you know, response to what we're doing has just been that they say they feel it's important and they say yeah. they're grateful that it exists. And that obviously makes us grateful um, to be able to do it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so do you, what, what's kind of next for it? Do you see play, the political playlist expanding? You know, I mean, what's, what's the, the, the end game or the, the next, yeah, the business uh, the next plan. step? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. So we, you know, like I said, we're, we're just about seven months old. So this has been a very helpful seven months to really solidify, you know, what we're already doing, but more so where we want to go. And our goal, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning is we want to be this nonpartisan catch-all for anyone to connect to politics, but specifically young people. Um, and you know, like we focus on young politicians, we have this like fun design, you know, we're sort of very active on social media. We're very, we, we do want to get young people really engaged, but we have a ton of users in their sixties who DM us on Instagram and tell us, <laughs> love it. So we're definitely not ageist. Um, but, but yeah, so our goal is to begin to create more access points for people to connect. So we have a conversation series that um, is going to be that's on Instagram, and those conversations we've been doing them for months. Um, people can find them on our IGTV of our Instagram, and so those conversations are not just with politicians, and they're not even necessarily with people who work in politics. They're with we did one with like a stylist and talked about fashion and politics. We did one with a motivational speaker and talked about communication and how communication affects politicians' sort of success. Or, or failures. Um, so we've had a real breadth of conversation with people that hopefully allows users to see, okay, there's multiple ways that I can be like engaged in politics. It doesn't mean that I have to sit down and read the New York Times every morning. Um, so that's one way. And so we're going to continue to expand that. Um, we're also launching a podcast um it's called the political playlist happy hour and it'll actually the first episode will be out in a few days the first two actually we're kind of going to upload um all at once and that actually was born out of just like this fun thing we started doing on instagram where we would do a little happy hour to talk about Mm -hmm. the newsletter that we sent out and that's really evolved into something more structured and um, it's me and my two partners. And then we would also have an interview in every episode. So we have the podcast and then we want to continue 
we want to continue to expand like our video content. We think that there's a lot of room for people to consume entertaining, interesting, funny things about these politicians um, that will help them feel more connected. Um, and then on a much larger scale, you know, we want to we want to have a more regular newsletter. We want to start focusing a lot on culture and, you know, doing a cultural newsletter that's about what books have you read? What mm -hmm. TV shows should you be watching? What interesting documentaries are out there? Um, so that people know that it doesn't have to be work to be informed, that there's a lot of mediums you can play with to get that educational experience. Um, and so, you know, as we continue to grow, we also just want to work on reaching other demographics like we've been talking to a lot of high school students and we've learned that high schoolers don't read their email <laughs> so we're figuring out how can we transition what we're doing in our newsletter to a format that's more 16 year old friendly oh my gosh, um, i'm so old i didn't I even know, have e i didn't even have email as a high school <laughs> And they're already not reading it. No, trust. I was like, I thought I was like still really young. And then these 16 year olds are like, what's email? Um, but, but anyway, they're a huge, you know, they're a huge and important audience. And so we want Absolutely. to figure out, and it's cool working with them. Cause like they have suggestions that I would have never thought of. And that's obviously the cool thing about building a platform is that you can take these suggestions and, and run with them. So, so we have a lot of plans, but they really all fall under the umbrella of how can we just create more ways for people to connect to politics in an objective nonpartisan way without feeling like they're overwhelmed or going crazy. Yeah, that's, I think that is the key. It's so easy to get even someone who who's personally really into it and 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 chooses to inundate myself. Yeah. It can still like you can always get to that point where you just you have to stop for just like a minute for your own self-preservation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, just a couple couple of wrap-up questions. Um you mentioned all these resources. Um, I think this is always a really well-received question that we like to ask. Uh, where do you get your news? Where do you like to go to to you know, build your personal knowledge on politics besides, of course, the playlist. Yeah, well, I will say, you know, on Political Playlist, we aggregate all the news that we yep. put out there. So when you get your newsletter, there's little news summaries that we work very hard to make sure they're like concise and funny and entertaining and quick to read. And most, I would say 95% of the news that we bring into the newsletter every time is actually from local news sources, um, which I have found to be an incredible way to consume news yeah. that I didn't really focus on before, except if it was in my own area. Because um, honestly, like no, no, no one knows these areas better than the local papers or local TV stations that cover them. And no one knows the issues that matter to that area more. So that's actually been like a huge thing for me, even personally, political playlists aside, is that looking at the news on all of these young members of Congress has made me start to realize, oh my God, there's all this stuff out there that yeah. I would have never read for any other reason. And then of course, our goal is to disseminate that information to, to everyone who subscribes to the newsletter. Um, for me, like I... I've also grown to really value nonpartisan information. Um, you know, I think that that it's very easy to get caught in our echo chamber, depending where you live or what your friends think or what your family thinks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think before I would have kind of like 
a rhythm, but I would not really think about where I was getting that information. And so now I've started, like, I think Axios is a really great resource. I find that they, their newsletters are really informative and they're easy to read and the information is very objective, um, but not in a way that feels dry and boring. Um, I'm from New York, so I read the New York Times a lot, but that's mainly like a a nostalgia kind of thing. Um, And I think that increasingly what's interesting to me is like looking at how social media platforms are both disseminating and hopefully beginning to regulate news a little bit more. You know, I think a lot of the young people we talk to, they're like, oh yeah, I just get my news on Instagram or I get my news on YouTube. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, that's interesting, but also like maybe a little bit scary. So I've started to just do more research of what's out there. And um, there's the, there's a guy who's a YouTuber that I think is a really great source named Philip DeFranco. I don't know if you've ever heard of his show. He's a, I mean, like I learned this from my boyfriend. I feel like the, the male audience of his show is probably much bigger than the female audience, but, but, but I find he's a YouTuber and I think he's been around for a really long time. Um, but he's a really good example of like, I think a more modern way that people might be consuming news and, um, and, uh, you know, starting, especially with younger people looking for this kind of like quick, mm-hmm. very sort of like, you know, vloggy driven news. But I, from what I've found, I find his show to be the most objective and interesting and factual. And he cites all of his sources and it doesn't feel like he's leveraging an opinion on anything. Um, so that's in my sort of deep dive into like, if I was 17, how would I be reading the yeah. news? Um, he's one that I've found that I think is really worthy though. Personally, I still prefer reading my Axios newsletter every morning when I have breakfast. Yeah. I'm a reader too, but yeah, I'll find, we'll find that. We'll make sure to put that in the the show notes so people can find that too. But, um, yeah. Um, Anna, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. It's, it's so fun. Like I said, um, you know, we, we want to provide resources to, you know, help all the, all the Texans that are listening, sign up for your newsletter. Um, tell us where, tell us where to find it and how we can find you guys on social media and everywhere else that you are. Yeah. Um, well, first I'll just say, so we have, I made sure to look before this. So we have, there's actually five representative, uh, five representatives from Texas who are on our platform who are under 45, but they're all men. So since you guys are a female on, ladies, I just wanted to like throw in a little girl power there of like, Mm -hmm. we got to get some young female representatives from Texas um, in the mix in Congress. But so you can find us um, at Political Playlist on Instagram, Um, just type in Political Playlist. And then our website, which is politicalplaylist.com, very simple. And like I had mentioned, you go on, click create my playlist. You'll be guided through a very short little survey that hopefully will be fun and enjoyable Mm -hmm. to look at and take. And you'll get your custom playlist of five young politicians. And I would just mention that also on our website for, you know, I'm sure people who listen to this are kind of political people. So Mm -hmm. if you want to get a little bit more information, we also have a very cool feature on our website called Meet Your Leaders in our menu. And it's an interactive map where you can see where all of the members of Congress who are under 45 are from and read their bios and some recent news about them. Um, And then we also have a blog with a bunch of different kinds of like think pieces and press stuff on there. So people can check that out as well, but politicalplaylist.com, create your playlist to sign up and you'll start getting your newsletter. Our next one goes out um, two weeks from now. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Pink Granite Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please consider leaving us a positive review. If you'd like to connect with Pink Granite outside of the pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Pink Granite TX or online at pinkgranite.org.